I didn't want my picture taken because I was going to cry. I didn't know why I was going to cry, but I knew that if anybody spoke to me or looked at me too closely, the tears would fly out of my eyes and the sobs would fly out of my throat and I'd cry for a week. I could feel the tears brimming and sloshing in me like water in a glass that is unsteady and too full. With these words, the American poet and novelist Sylvia Plath put in words the mental agony she suffered. Namaste and welcome to the second episode of Bar at Law, Demystifying Mental Health. Today, we are joined by Dr. Poonam Fogart. Dr. Fogart is an associate professor in the Department of Psychology, Gargi College, University of Delhi, with a teaching experience of over 15 years. With research and expert spread over numerous branches of psychology, including clinical, social, positive and health, Dr. Fogart has been guiding batches of PhD students under her mentorship. A panel psychologist for Delhi Police, Central Government Service Selection Board and NTPC, Dr. Fogart is an epitome of knowledge from whom we benefit today. Thank you for taking out time from your busy schedule and joining this conversation today. Welcome to Bar at Law, ma'am. Thanks, uh, Shivani, for inviting me and it is my pleasure to be with you. So, ma'am, before we divulge in the topic of mental literacy, we are aware that there is a legislation passed in 2017 known as the Mental Health Care Act. And in its definition clause, it defines terms like mental health care, for instance, as an analysis of mental condition of a person and treatment for mental illness. It also defines mental illness as a disorder which impairs a person to meet the ordinary demands of life. But the act nowhere discusses terms like depression, anxiety, which we associate with the state of mind. So how do we disentangle these terms from each other? Uh, Shivani, uh, let us first understand that uh, mental health, as you pointed out, that the terms have changed. That mental health has been used in this act uh, quite often and the other terms have been uh, maybe disregarded as not take, considered so much. fact that mental health is on a continuum. It's not something that is present today and absent tomorrow. It is something that continues uh, from the state of illness to a state of wellness. So it starts from illness and you become better if you're good at mental health and you're taking care of yourself just like you take care of other physical aspects of the body. So you are in good state of mental health. But if you take further more good care of yourself, focus on your personal growth, etc., then you will be even better in terms of wellness you'll experience a greater sense of well-being when you are in that state so it is something that uh, we are always moving if you consider it on a, on a ladder we are always coming up and down that ladder but when we're talking about illnesses mental illnesses especially the diagnosed 
in mental illnesses that means diagnosed means a psychiatrist or a psychologist has given you a diagnosis that you are suffering from this and this mental illness so there the person is in that state of uh, mental illness for a longer period of time but it is something that today i may be healthy tomorrow i may be mentally healthy tomorrow i may be mentally sick as well so it is not something it is equ- equivalent to like a physical health it condition because uh, if you see the condition to, in today's uh, times with with the covid spread spread across so we are until today if if i'm fine today i may not be fine tomorrow looking at the news looking at maybe some scenes uh, looking at uh, the situations that happen in my life or in somebody else's very close to me mean in their lives and i may get disturbed so it is not something which i can be i can be away from it is something which is very close to me or which is very close to each and every one of us so it the act impacts each and every one of us it is not somebody who's going to a hospital seeing a psychiatrist seeing a psychologist and it's only relevant to that individual so we should understand it from that perspective right so it is present individually with each individual and not only someone who is experiencing some mental illness yes so we have an act in place which gives right to access mental health care to every citizen as does the mental health care act in chapter 5 with that legislation on paper we move to real life scenarios where we see that despite the education board rules most schools do not have counselors on board children suffer from bullying and mistreatment at workplace there are biases cutthroat competition the unmeasured stress a working mother faces at her workplace to juggle her words these are just a few instances pointing to a surmise that how important it is to have a psychiatric assistance available at every level so what is your take on this as you have worked with both schools and professional organization in your professional capacity yeah so let's understand this from the perspective which i just mentioned to you that is on a continuum okay so when the illness is on a continuum again when it, when the person is mentally ill he or she requires assessment by a psychiatrist or a clinical psychologist and treatment by them okay but then when it is of a lower degree the, just like you mentioned bullying bullying at school or or workplace right. it may require the uh, intervention of a counselor so in terms of in terms of the kind of professional input that is required that may be different from for different individuals from with varying kind of problems now first thing we need to you know appreciate about the act is that it at least it, it is addressing to this fact that we require people to help us at our you know workplaces at our educational settings because uh, let me just uh, because now see nowadays we in in our country one problem is the the what you call the population is a big problem so population to professional any kind of professional individual if you take you take the today in today's case the doctors and the patients who are there covid patients this is so uh, such a you know drastic ratio that we are unable to meet the needs of the, of our people same thing right. i'm i'm expecting this will happen post covid also because people those who have survived those who have who have survived after the illness those who have survived uh, you know who are surviving now would be a big problem for us to cater to because in in uh, in our field also in psychology also in uh, psychiatry also there are less professionals available 
per thousand individuals the way we are the way we calculate so we need to make sure that we have individuals we need to make sure we train para professionals if you understand para professionals so para professional not really uh, it's like it's like somebody who's not completely educated in that area but at least be able to provide help so we should be able to uh, you know train at least uh, para professional at this level so that they are able to meet the needs of people so at least we should well okay. the act it recognizes the right of a mentally ill person or a person who's feeling disturbed so at least the person will not have that that what do you call the burden or the stigma that is associated with someone who requires help if today i feel sad if today i feel depressed because i have lost someone or or have seen this loss happening around me at least if i go to a doctor i go to a psychologist people will not look down upon me one because of the act but because everybody is in the same boat now everybody is, is seeing that this is the same scenario everybody is facing so th- there would be a change a shift in the perspective of people seeing that yes this is a requirement second thing uh, that i would like to point out with respect to particularly schools in terms of that in schools uh, i mean for the past 20 years at least uh, in the past 20 years that i have seen schools hire counselors and they hire counselor come psychologist come school teacher i mean the the teacher who will teach psychology also so it is a position which they are uh, manipulating so that this act recognizes that a counselor is a separate position a counselor has a separate role in the school and a psychology teacher has a separate role even though education may be same okay one somebody who's who's educated in psychology can teach psychology also can do counseling also but because we have again the student uh, and the teacher ratio we know that there is only one counselor for the entire school if you know of if you are aware of so one counselor right. means for for approximately 2500 to 3000 children for a bigger school you have only one counselor available so imagine the burden on the counselor imagine whether they would be able to exactly help uh, people or not so we need to see we need to address that that yes there is a need and yes there is a need for having more counselors to be hired in schools and starting at that level of school is very important because now it's mandatory so obviously schools will start uh, hiring counselors but uh, having counselors at this level is so important because it helps in primary prevention it helps to psychoeducate children the the kind of stresses the children face in these in today's world i mean in 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 our time there was no internet there was no phone so there were lesser distractions lesser needs as compared to now so we all know that but addressing the needs at this level helping children understand their own selves will help them cope better and make them more resilient make them more resilient to cope with further future stresses so this initiative is really uh, important for uh, uh, for the schools for younger children and also it will help the parents also to uh, have a, have a better understanding of the child and develop better communication because the counselor can involve the parents also i mean and it's not a one to one counseling session that i'm talking about i'm talking about where uh, general uh, things are discussed with you know calling the parents together also a uh, second thing that i would like to uh, uh, talk about in with respect to schools is that uh, when i know that a help is available so so th- i have seen in my experience i have seen i mean there are adults also who do not know where to go 
where to go i mean right. where do we found a where do we find a counselor so if i have as a school student if i have a counselor available in my own premises it is so very easy and efficient to approach in in times of distress as compared to uh, if i ha- if i need to go to uh you know an outside setting outside setting like a clinic outside setting like a hospital which is again a, a place if you go and if you are seen which is considered the stigma attached to that place so it is very important to have it at the school level so that these two things are uh these two things are the advantages of having so these two purposes are met at that level we just did talk about the importance of assistance at each level but less is talked about the curriculum that is followed in schools it is very common to have a physical training class in school but should schools not also focus on imparting mental health education as such there is no concept of infusing the knowledge of mental health to children at that age in our uh, indian education system co-curricular or extracurricular is something which is out of my main focus of studies so it automatically becomes something which is not required which is redundant so physical training you must know you i mean you must not have gone to all the classes that you may have had of your physical training you may just sit around and you may not do anything in that so how important do you think is that for you so the child needs to know it's not about just educating the child it's about rather uh, i mean uh, you are talking about curriculum i am talking about but having more of activities in those classes which make children resilient which make children express their own selves which make children uh, talk about their issues you draw things you express yourself you write stories you you know you may you may enact something out but this helps the child to know oneself and also express the problem one is facing so automatically it's imbibed and the child becomes more resilient and yes there could be uh, some other uh, you know focus areas of issues of each particular uh, what do you call age categories or age groups and that can also be discussed uh with the children with the students right so uh in one of the case studies that i was studying for today's session i came across a very moving story whereby a girl uh, was absent from her classes for about a week and when she was asked for a doctor's prescription it just wrote depression and the teacher and the principal were not very accepting uh, of that so uh, depression per se is the most misconstrued term as i said that it is not even present in the act so how do we uh, look at the term depression is it a continuing disease that we may say is it a state of mind or is it a temporary bouts of uh, temporary See, bouts uh, of expression? the way the way we diagnose uh, any disorder is is basically like for example when you go to a doctor for a physical problem the doctor will say that okay you show symptoms of for example maybe malaria okay so you are right. showing symptoms of malaria but then the doctor will say okay get this test done and then we will uh, finally diagnose you same way when we talking about mental illnesses or any kind of issues that a person is facing we take a detailed case history we take a detailed uh, mental status examination of this individual that is what is his present or his or her present mood present thoughts present orientation in terms of you know reality orientation orientation to person place time uh, so we do a mental status the cognitive orientation of the individual so we do an assessment of entire thing and also 
to have a proper diagnosis we may do certain tests and there are certain criterias for to to be met like out of 6 4 need to be met out of 6 3 need to be met so these kind of criterias which have been decided by who WHO has made uh, ICD which is international classification of diseases uh, so it has mental uh, illnesses also and there is a, a DSM also but in, in India we follow the ICD so WHO has given that so we follow that and according to that we make a diagnosis okay so once an individual has gone to a doctor the doctor will say what are the symptoms that you've been seeing and uh, for example when we're talking about depression there are there are, there are uh, symptoms like hopelessness so hopelessness about the future hopelessness about everything in life that is happening around helplessness that one can't do anything now it's all uh, you know uh, going down it's a disaster now so hopelessness helplessness feeling of sadness uh, most of the time uh, most of the time of the day and most of the time of the week and month so so and so the person maybe for the past 6 months having these kind of six uh, symptoms lethargy unable to do things uh, that one used to enjoy so pleasure pleasure has gone so things like that so the unless and until it has been diagnosed by a, a, a psychiatrist it is not it, it is not considered to be a disorder so we need to be and so so doctors are very careful when they are diagnosing because this has impact on the individual okay in terms of labeling and that loneliness may cause the individual not to attend college not to go to work absenteeism from the work and sitting at home and thus so uh, so it's not something that every day the person will feel hopeless there may be days which are good days there may be days which are really bad days so there may be a waxing and waning of the disorder so it may be high and up ups and lows of the disorder also you're not it's not like a physical illness for example if in a physical like a, a diabetes case the physical illness may may become better but if the diabetes goes high the illness may again become bad so similarly the illness may be good on some days but the illness may worsen on some days so that is a possible scenario with any individual who is suffering from depression or any other mental illness so when we tune into news channels they often show suicide as an extreme step that a person suffering from depression has taken it is often viewed as something as a resultant of depression so we have throughout our conversation talked about the stresses that a person faces in daily life the mental health care act the major positive impact it has had is that it has altered section 309 of the indian penal code to the extent that it lays down a presumption that a person who has committed suicide has committed the act under severe stress so there's a presumption which is saving the person from uh, going under sentence going serving imprisonment but let's come to facts so there's this national crime records bureau data which says that out of every deaths out of the total number of deaths that happened in 2019 381 deaths were a resultant of suicide every day so how do we juxtapose this legislation vis-a-vis the data because the legislation seem to have done their part by decriminalizing the act but what about the data and what about the uh, terminology that we still use to uh, refer to the act we say the person committed suicide so 
what about the prefix that is used because you generally commit a crime so are there changes we need to inculcate also i would like to ask that how far has the act served its purpose of sensitizing and dealing appropriately with such cases let me just uh, first uh, talk about suicide here so suicide is basically uh, an intention okay so it's an intention to end one's life now when we're talking about suicide we talk about three terms here so we say suicide suicidal ideation suicidal attempt and suicidal final uh, commitment okay so when we're talking about suicidal ideation we're talking about the idea about just at the idea level so somebody may say it's not worth living so things like that so these are ideations they're just at the idea level somebody is just talking about suicide so so suicide is just at the idea level but then at the next level of this ideation which method of doing the act that person has chosen that also okay and then as a suicide attempt so suicide attempt is when the person actually brings the thought into action so now the action has been committed and finally is action if the committed action is successful then uh, obviously it will result in death so now we need to understand the numbers that you're talking about uh numbers and are, are are something which are not always giving you the clear and the full picture now we know that depression is the second biggest killer in the entire world okay so this is a, this is one one fact that is also there with us so but when we're talking about suicide we should understand that not everybody is successful uh in committing right. suicide successfully okay so people people actually uh there is a there is the the action of suicide is to end one's life because of the maybe the stresses and the problem one is facing but it is not because the person completely does not want to live it may be that person wants to live also so there is a dichotomy there is an existential crisis that is going on inside the individual i want to die also and i don't want to die also you know so i want to live also so there is this there is this existential uh, you know uh, crisis which is going on inside the individual so the individual it attempt it but may not be successful so the attempts are not being counted here okay in your uh, numbers attempt is not being mentioned in terms of uh, suicide data also it has been found that women attempt more okay women attempt okay. more suicide as compared to men but men are more successful in committing suicide as compared to women the just the numbers do not give us complete picture people do commit suicide because of certain mental health issues only and uh, yes in, in many depression cases people think of committing suicide but uh, not always because depression also marks uh, lethargy depression also marks lack of energy to just get up and do the act okay so it's not always that depression people suffering from depression will be able to do that uh commit that act so there are other mental illnesses also which may result in the uh commitment of the act now when we're saying commitment of the act i know you're from the law you may have better understanding of it but commitment means that the intention comes from my side the agency lies in that individual so that is why maybe the term is used uh that can be looked up into and how it can be uh sensitized sensitized in terms of that individual but yes one thing one thing which is very positive from which from this uh, in, in change is, is that now the police cannot misuse the act number one people who used to come to the homes where somebody has committed suicide or go to the hospital and then they would seek money and all that bribery kind of thing so one thing is that one that is not possible second it gives police more of a sensitive approach 
to understand why the person has committed it's not just you know the black and white thing that has gone into the gray area why the person has committed this act we need to understand that so now the police uh, the duty of police has changed also because now they are saying that you rather than harassing you need to go find a place if the person is unable to uh, you know uh, find a, what do you call a counselor so the police will help in in doing that so th- therefore uh, they are not booked these individuals are not booked in terms of uh, for any or, or fa- they do not face any charges but uh, at, but but the but the police will help them to actually go and take care um, take care of their mental health and uh, they will help them uh, find free treatment Uh, to the homeless and the poor so the government hospitals actually provide that kind of treatment to the mental so it it is a very positive impact in terms of uh, you know changing this kind of um, change in the uh, indian penal code and making it decriminalizing it also uh, another important thing that has happened is that it has been now been covered under insurance right this has been in place in us and other uh, developed countries much earlier than us only uh, even when you are working you can actually and you are insured you can you, for your regular visits also to the counselor your insurance company would pay there so i think those kind of changes can be helpful in our country also yeah so we have the insurance in place we have the decriminalization of suicide so according to your assessment how well has the legislation fared and what are the positive impacts it may have in the coming years uh i think uh, this act has been really uh, like uh, for example uh, the kind of uh, change it required for such a long time because it has been impending for such a long time and uh, this was the last thing on um, the government's uh, agendas so it is something which is uh, well in time better late than never and uh, yes i mean it is highly important now because it came out in 2017 but if you see uh, now we require it more the kind of scenario that has happened with us now with all the countries especially india in the second wave the various resources we can tap upon from the context of the act okay so what are the agencies that can be drawn into what are the ngos that can help us do this kind of action what are the counseling agencies which are there clinics hospitals all these ind- and provide help to those individuals who are now in trouble it must have been such a difficult time for those individuals who have lost people who have really had a difficult time and and there are there are physical implications also on the on the body which is happening so i think it is well in time and these things should be taken care of there is something about the review board which is there which reviews the kind of treatment that is being given so maybe that can be looked into how well it can be done so uh, that's my uh, view on this so with this we near the end of our discussion demystifying mental health so any last thoughts for the listeners ma'am in the situations that we are in today and the experiences which are affecting our mental health every day any thoughts you would like to leave the listeners with this kind of uh, tragedy that we are facing and we should never hesitate in seeking help this is one important trait and quality of people who are resilient resilient people are people who stand strong in terms of those who ask for help that i need help please help me so those people who help you or those people who seek help they become more resilient and don't hesitate in seeking any kind of help most you will get the help and you will feel 
much better so i'm sure everybody would be uh, needing some kind of the help or the other but please do not hesitate and always seek for help whenever it is required seek help for others also help others also so as professor dumbledore said help will always be given at hogwarts to those who ask for it thank you so much for your pearls of wisdom dr forgot i'm sure that each one of us brings about a change in perspective in viewing mental health from today until we meet again i leave you with a parting thought as glen close said what mental health needs is more sunlight more candor and more unashamed conversation let's all mean it the next time we say it's okay not to be okay